Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Welcome to another edition of our pre-season player review pods. Uh, you hopefully know this voice by now. I'm Andrew Weiss and I will be steering the ship this evening uh, on another round, another group of players. We've got six players to go through this evening, R's through S's. Uh, joining me once again, as he did earlier in this series, which we hope you're all enjoying. Uh, it's a very, very good day to you, Simon Morowitz. And to yourself, Alessi, thanks for having me. No, it's good to chew the fat. I really, really enjoyed our, our last up discussion. It's very rare. Uh, it's many years since the days of you know, us playing cricket together for the great Maccabi Ajax Cricket Club that we've had some one-on-one time. So what better way to do it than to talk about players at the other club that we love? Yes, and certainly certainly some players in that one that got some tongues wagging. Absolutely. So hearts to hearts, let's crack in. <laughs> Tonight we are going to start with none other than... Uh, a a young buck brought into our club, number 38, Max Rams, Ramsden, 203 centimetres, 86 kilos, 20 years of age. Uh, he was recruited um, in the mid-season draft 2022 where we managed to bring him in. And, and we've obviously had a pretty good run of things in the mid-season draft, seems to be... Nice little, uh, nice little pay packet in terms of nuggets that we're able to find through, through there. Um, so Max Ramsden uh, managed to crack it for a couple of games in 2023. Uh, he played in round one, actually. Uh, sorry, round seven was his first game uh, against the Western Bulldogs. Um, it didn't get too much of it. Finished the game with six touches, two marks, nine hitouts. Um, he came on as a sub in the final game of the season against the Demons, um, where he managed uh, eight touches, three marks, five hitouts. Um, very, very promising. Mora, we know that uh, rucks generally develop early. He's not. Uh, develop later in their career, sorry. Um, but he's not a prototype ruckman. He seems to be what we've been missing in terms of um, a, a forward that can ruck because he's done some great things up forward in his time at Box Hill. Um, and it was pretty good reward for him to get a, a couple of um, games where he was able to taste what it's like to to suit up for for the seniors. Absolutely. Um, you, you started off by referring to him as a young buck. And I think that is just such an appropriate word to use because he just, he, he runs like a, like a big animal. It's great. And he's so raw, but 
it's wonderful to watch. I don't get to see too much of Box Hill. Um, and so most of what I saw of him was in the seniors, but I did see one or two, um, maybe quarters of him at Box Hill. And he, he really just, he's got something there. He, the, the comparisons with a, a Luke Jackson are really, really apt. Um, and I think, I think that, like you said, he'll take some time, but if it all comes together, wow, we, he could do some damage. Um, and, and that, that debut that you talked about against the Western Bulldogs, um, was a, Baptism of fire somewhat. I mean, there, you know, he wasn't the number one ruck, but when he was rucking, he was up against Tim English, who's pretty handy um, himself. And and likewise, his other game was against Melbourne. So um, for a for a project ruckman to to come in in those two particular circumstances is a little bit unfair. Um, not that he'd complain. He'd love to have two games in his debut season. Um, and I think, yeah, like you say, he is the sort of player everyone would love to have us in particular with our sort of tall man stocks at the moment. Um, very, very exciting future. Yeah. He's, he's probably one that in all of the discussion um, since, you know, a lot of stuff's happened in our tall man de- department. Um, we talk of Cozzy and Jex and, um, and Max Lynch and missing out on Ben McKay. Um, he's probably been forgotten a bit in terms of the fact that, um even though he's young um he 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 hasn't looked that out of place that the moments that we've seen him and morrow i remember um the final we played the first week of the finals box hill played up on the gold coast last season happened to be there sitting with a friend of the hawks insiders ed sill um when he just it was just an incredible piece of work where he took the ball, snapped it from about 35 to 40 metres out on a very, very tight ang- angle, having done um, some some incredible work in the lead in. And, like, he just actually looks like not only does he know what he's doing, but he, he seems to be so agile for such a big man. You think that there's, there's a... a- thought process in the coaching staff that we're sort of happy to let a couple more tall players go because we think he's almost ready? Possibly. Uh, the counter to that is we keep stockpiling midfielders, right? So um, there are a lot of mids that would probably be ready that are going to miss out. Um, it's a really, really good question. And we might only find that out over, you know, the, the, the trade and draft period to see what we've got up our sleeve or, or who we're bringing in to answer that. But all of a sudden, again, with, with a lot of those tools out, he's probably going to get um, some good game to, game time next year. Because you, you said at the start, high 80s, 86, 88 kilos. If he can take that north of 90 in a preseason and he's 200 plus centimetres, that's not a, not a bad size for a second forward. It's not even a bad size for a first forward, to be honest, but probably probably five, 10 kgs off of first forward. But man, if you're the second defender lining up on someone that size, you'd be you'd be concerned. Very much so. I'll tell you what'll be a fascinating watch. And we're about to get onto Ned Reeves. Um and you've done a piece recently on the on the ruck, our ruck division. So um it's interesting that it sort of falls into line with <laughs> some of that discussion around 
Um, if Max Ramsden comes on based on what we've seen over the next 12 to 18 months, will he will he move straight into that second ruckman at the club? And and saying that, potentially putting one of, and, and we'll get to Reeves shortly, Reeves or Meek as the third ruckman is unthinkable six to 12 or six months ago. Yeah, well, it would if if we have someone like Ramsden, good enough to be consistently in the team, then that probably puts to bed two rucks. So it, it might not necessarily make a um, Reeves or make the third ruck on the list, but it puts him out of the team because that you you can't have two, um, or not that you can't, you just wouldn't have two dedicated pure rucks, and also someone who's good enough to chop out um, as a you know fifteen percent ruck. Um, so yeah, it, it does spell trouble for, um, the second ruck. Yeah. Maybe one of the other, um, important conversations to have then is, I mean, Robbie Campbell, did some really good rucking in the number 39, uh, 38 on Max Ramsden's back. There might be some opportunities to jump up the pecking order a bit next season. Something about the number 38, no one stays in it, do they? I, I suspect he's not going to be in 38 next season. Like Tom Rockliffe is basically the only person who played his career in 38. Uh, that's a really good call. I'm just trying to think off the top what of my head. What is it about that number? Was, it's, it's, what did, did Sean Denham, was he 35 or 38 for Essendon? Who? Sean Denham uh, played. What? Oh, now <laughs> you're going back a bit. He might have been 38. You're right. If you want to go back that far to find the second player who played in 38. I've got you. a feeling he played in 38 and played a lot of games. He's a good footballer, obviously, the Denham and John Barnes famous swapping uh, maybe you can look that up while I move on uh, Mora um, but Played a lot uh, of games in 38 I'll give you that a lot of games in 38 <laughs> there you go so oh that that's how far in, I go in, back I'm, in 1992 <laughs> I'm sure if we had um I'm sure if we had Ash here uh, he'd mm. be reeling them off one at a time the, the list <laughs> of top five 38s we might save that for us <laughs> an upcoming space um, and get everyone involved. But, um, yeah, great start to his life at Hawthorne the last 18 months um, for Max Ramsden. Um, and having said that and, and talked about our great 38, we'll move. Dale, Dale, Dale Morris went okay, I suppose. Oh, Dale Morris. Yeah, should have got that. He was a decent footballer. He was a decent footballer. Um, m- moving on to our former 37 uh, took the number seven Guernsey for 2023, where he managed to play 21 games, which for the big noodle, I think is um, is a really, really good result because there have been question marks over whether or not his body's going to hold up. Um, it was a pretty interesting season um, and without going through stats, Mora, tell me what you think about, it feels like we had the early part of the season where, you know, we've always known Ned Reeves can um, tap the ball and he's been pretty good at that. His, um, his work around the ground has left a lot of, a little bit to be desired uh, in terms of contesting around the ground, taking marks. And and there was a point in the season where we thought um, time to give Lloyd Meek a, a shot. 
and and have a chop out as the number one ruckman and and in the few weeks of doing that um we were happy enough to see Ned back in the team and and the back half of his season was magnificent and he was a key um reason as to why our midfield were the dominant force that they were in in the back half of the season after the bye yeah it's easy to forget that he came into the season with only 17 games under his belt um because it felt like we'd been talking about him for years and years and years. And so this discussion between him and me um, was really between two toddlers as far as Ruckman goes. I mean, they're both, well, they're 24, 25 going into the season. Neither of them have played 20 games or something like that. So it was it was really there for either of them to grab. Um, Hawks coaching clearly preferred two Rucks anyway. So then they had a, an opportunity on the field, both of them, um, to take a game and grab it and, and, and take that mantle. It wasn't really until later that we saw either of them do that. Um, Reeves got suspended for a game in round 20. He missed round 20. And I thought Meek was sensational as a one-out ruck in that game. Came back Thursday night following that, and he's been dropped for Reeves. And that for me, was the signpost that the coaching staff has made their decision. Um, Reeves is the number one, and good luck, Lloyd. You know, force him out of it, whatever. Just be be good when when um, Reeves misses games through injury, because, uh, like you said, he's he's had his troubles over the, over the years. The couple of games that came after that suspension were very encouraging to me, um, because it. It was what I'd hoped we would get with these two ruck situations, which is two players driving each other to greater heights. And from round 20 onwards, we saw that. Meek got an opportunity, said, I'm taking this opportunity, and he had a really good game. It wasn't enough. The coaches have decided that Reeves is, is good, but it told me that if Reeves dips, Meek is ready. Meek took that as a challenge. So, sorry, Reeves took that as a challenge. And he lifted in those next couple of games. He, he, was, he was marking the ball. He was a forward presence. He was winning hitouts to advantage. Um, and this is what we got from that one week where, where he was suspended. I think we really saw Reeves click and say, crap, I've got to lift here. Um, and there's no doubt that he knows the limitations to his game. Um, and he's been working on them. And in those last few weeks, I think we really saw a Ned Reeves who's ready to put it all together. Yeah, it's interesting that game that you talk of me coming in later in the season. I think he had 46, 46 hit outs uh, against the Saints. Uh, and and so that was the other thing. It was it was against the Saints, right? Uh, and he had a, a dominant display, even though we lost that game, I think. I think Roman Marshall might even have been best on ground that game, but he still put in an absolute solid shift. Um, I think when you look through the stats from his season, they back up some of the stuff that we've been talking about. His hit outs, he averaged 28 hit outs for the year, which is above average compared to Rucks in the comp. He averaged 8.7 hit outs to advantage, which is above average the hit outs to advantage in the comp compared to other rucks. Um, he, he clearly took another step in terms of what his body was able to do to run out games. And, and that has 
been a big knock whether or not he's got the tank to see our games and and that if that's the case how important is a forward that can ruck to give him that five minute chop out through each quarter but he seemed to do okay with that um i think he turns 25 in a month so he's still young as a ruckman one of the biggest concerns is 21 matches played full matches played 31 marks for the season so one and a half marks per game and um you know i i think uh, there are a number of times I remember from match reports or player ratings pods or the stuff that we've been doing throughout the, the year where, especially running back into defence, he's gotten into great positions to use his body and take like take a towering mark and he, he gets his hands into position and just clunks it. So actually holding some of those marks and being more of a presence around the ground, I think is, is the biggest thing he's going to have to work on. 10 of those 31 marks that you're talking about were in the three weeks after he missed with suspension. So that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about is, is that, um, and, and the same deal, you know, he had uh, something in the order of 12 tackles in that time, which is, you know, above the games per, um, you know, tackles per game for him for the season. So, I think I think something clicked for him watching Meek play very well. Yeah, do you think there'll ever be a time where both of them can play in the same team? And if Reeves is the ruckman of choice, do you think it's conceivable that that in a couple of years' time, Lloyd Meek might find himself at a third club? Yes, that's conceivable. I mean, if if Reeves turns into a formidable first ruck, then yeah, absolutely. The person underneath him has every right to go look somewhere else, especially if he came here for opportunity, um, which there was, to be fair, there was an opportunity for him to take. Um, the, the, I'm not just saying that the coaching staff took um, Reeves on a whim. I mean, he's earned it. But... Uh, yeah, if um, Reeves turns into a legit first ruck and Ramsden turns into a legit um, forward who can chop out, then no one would begrudge me doing a doing a pit net or something, or you know, going off to um, find an opportunity somewhere else. For sure. Well, speaking of, we don't, we don't um, want that. I mean, I mean, there's still there's still a chance. Like to answer your first question to that. Um, yeah, there's definitely a chance that they both play in the same team. I mean, we're 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 uh, um, attributing quite a lot of uh, game time to a player who's played two games and is still very very raw. So, assuming that Ramsden isn't ready and that this the fact that we haven't replaced the tall players yet doesn't mean that the coaching staff think he's ready, then yeah, absolutely, Meek and Reeves um, could probably play both in round one. Um, but if um, Ramsden does come on and Reeves is the choice, then then that it probably does uh, spell the end of, of two rocks. Other than um, making sure his house has super high ceilings, well, what's Ned Reeves' ceiling, Mara? Because we've talked, I think we dropped the talk 
last year and the start of that this year, but prior, you know, we we were chatting and, and Ash was very bullish about his his raw potential, you know, like there is absolute max gone about him, right? Like that there, there is the potential for him to be in the top couple of rucks in the competition or or or, or is that not is that not accurate? I mean, it's it's an opinion. You've obviously done your piece looking at our rucks, looking at what they've done, looking at other rucks in the comp. Do, do you think you can crack it to become one of the premier rucks in the competition? What I haven't done yet, um, what I've looked at but not put together, is what the players that you're talking about were doing after 38 games. Um, because Max Gorn didn't become Max Gorn until he played about 65. And so in that, um, in that world, that's a whole extra season. So that's 2025 and onwards for, for Reeves. I absolutely think that I'm not saying he's going to be five-time Australian or whatever Max Gorn is premiership captain, but um, given that he is growing with a young midfield group, they are growing together. They are for, have already formed a very solid um, connection, clearance, ability. Yeah, there is some real, real, real potential in that unit, specifically the fact that he is growing with them. Um, yeah, like another said, 20, I'm, another 20 I'm not, plus I'm not giving you Max Gorn just yet, <laughs> but uh, the ceiling and the potential for what he can do with the players at his feet is quietly very exciting. Well, that I have a few people very excited hearing that indeed. Um, uh, our next player, uh, while we're in the high number range or previously, previously Reeves, he had the higher number, but we'll round out our high numbers for this pod with the number 46. Thought you were talking about height, Cole. Uh, no, well, he's he's one of our talls, Brandon Ryan, who came to the club this season in the mid-season draft, pick number 11 from the Northern Bullants. Um, absolute fairy tale story. And uh, we talked about Cozzy the last time you and I were together. Um very quickly, or not quickly, but um, by the time the season was done and dusted, looked like he'd cemented his spot for now as our second key forward. But I'll get to you shortly to ask about how how um, removable that cement is, just how how certain it is that Brandon Ryan's going to have a spot in our team moving forward. He ended up playing three matches for the season. Um, one included the final round uh, loss to Frio where he came off as the sub, um, barely got near it. But what we saw in what was clearly the best win of the season and a couple of the players that we've spoken to have said it was the best one of the best wins of their careers, the Collingwood game stood out where he obviously kicked three goals. He took five marks. He had taken uh, five marks the week before in round 20 against the Saints, but it was the three goals um, where he was composed. He just looked like someone who knew what he was doing. 
He led really well. And when he wasn't taking marks, he was actually bringing the ball to ground. He was getting in contests. I remember, I think there was one play about 50 metres out in front of the MCC members where he just fully backed into a pack and was never going to get anywhere near it, but put his arms up back behind his head and actually got the palm, which brought the ball down to ground and resulted in a goal. And that's what you want from your big forwards, just to always be in the contest. And he's shown quite a bit. Mora, let's start with the question around your thoughts on Brandon Ryan, who, let's be honest, we didn't really know much about him a few months ago, um, but had a, had a pretty good last month of footy. Certainly did. Um, and coming in as a 25-year-old is not easy. Um, I think the, the number one part that I like, you've already mentioned, is the way that he leads at the ball. He leads with his arms out. And someone with his size, with his arms out, is very, very hard to defend. Um, his kicking is great. He's got a nice kick for goal. Um, definitely, definitely a lot to work with uh, for the forward line. And like you said, with with Cozzy requesting a trade, the spot opens up for the second forward. And um, given his late season run in the team, there's no reason why he shouldn't have it. Massive watch on his preseason. Like 25 years old, 91 kilos. If you can somehow, doing a full AFL preseason, put on three or four kilos, it could make a significant difference to what he can do um, as a bigger-bodied forward. That might just not be his role, though. It'd be great if he could be a bit bigger and, and hold his own in a contest against proper AFL, you know, big boy backmen. Um, that's not really what we want from him, though. I mean, you know, Mitch Lewis takes that sort of role. He takes the biggest um, defender. Ryan then can get on his bike, and if he can, like I said, if he can get his marks on his lead on the lead, it doesn't matter which defender it is. Um, and with his with his set shot, he could be good for two goals a game. Yeah, which is significant if we've still got. Punky playing for the next couple of years, kicking his two goals a game and Brandon Ryan's playing, kicking two goals a game and we've got a fit Mitch Lewis on the field, then all of a sudden it feels a little bit more potent in terms of us being able to kick winning scores uh, every other week, not just every now and then. So it'll be a good watch to see how he goes with his first full AFL preseason under the belts. Moving on, um, speaking of articles written this year, I think it must have been after about oh, around 10 or 11, I wrote an article called The Curious Case of Jack Scrimshaw. Scrimmer managed 16 games this season. Two of them in round six and seven, he came on as the sub. So we got through round 11. He played five games, including two coming on as the sub, and all sorts of questions were flying. Um, there were thoughts that he'd 
um, gotten injured and was carrying a lingering injury. Uh, there are a lot of rumours around his training habits, his preparation, his commitment, his endeavour. It's hard to say what is true and what is not. What we do know is that in any other season, um, Mora, again, before we get into stats and figures, he would have been one of the first picked on our team sheet. Yeah, there's definitely something going on that we don't know the full story of because other things equal, he's clearly there. We saw it the first couple of rounds we were at sea in the back line. We were leaking goals. And when he came in, even though it was as the sub, we just structurally looked so much better. Um, there was something about it when he left Gold Coast. It's a reasonably high draft pick from memory and, and he, he played four Seven. games in two years. I think it's four games, pick seven. Yeah. Top 10, yeah. Um, and he played four games in two years and it wasn't necessarily because of injury and the Suns were, weren't much chopped then. So it was it was, it was was curious to why this guy wasn't getting a game for a bad team when he's a high draft pick. And, and it sort of the, the suggestion was that he his work ethic wasn't great. Um, came to Hawthorne and he's been outstanding since then so I, I I don't know if you know maybe he's reverted to some old habits or perhaps um, that's just a convenient reason why a rumor might take off um, but there's definitely something in there because like you said full fitness full application he's he's in the team um, he adds such good structure to us that it was very curious to me, and I, I just, I still, I'd, I'd love to know the full story, and hopefully, at some point, it'll come out. Yeah, well, I think that if there is movement in the off season, we'll no doubt hear about uh, about what has been going on, and over time, I'm sure <laughs> we'll find out. But he, um, he, what we don't want is for his greatest gift to Hawthorne to be that video behind the goals when when he's celebrating in our grand final win. I think it was a Brad Hill giving him the high five that gets played over and over and over again. Um, he played 16 games. I think the other thing that makes this really curious, Mora, is um, the recent news about um, D'Ambrosio from Essendon uh, and the fact that... Um, he also plays a similar position. So in our last pod, Mara, we talked about CJ, right? And and him coming back into full fitness and playing off a back flank. And um, we've just gone after Ambrosio. Uh, is there something that we don't know? Again, an off-season um, plan for Jack Scrimshaw. Time will tell, but um, that there's still something there that doesn't quite add up. I got to tell you, I thought he was very good as a forward in that last game against Fremantle. Because um, he can take a mark and his kicking is okay. So, look, if we've got enough players in that position that he's not playing, um, we, we could use a new forward. <laughs> Why not try it? For sure. I think what that suggests is we really, 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 really need some decent forwards. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, don't get me wrong. First, like I said, first season of 
first session of preseason, he's he's training on the half back line. Um, but if we are not doing that for whatever reason, um, I saw enough in that game. Yeah, his game against the Suns that we lost, uh, he took 11 marks and had 31 touches and it was, you know, vintage scrimmer. And I've always said, I mean, there's always been the comparisons to Graham McPurchill, um, not just because of the number, obviously, but similar similar runs, similar playing style out of the back, back line that the big differences are, number one, that Birchall played a lot of games, so tick in his favour. I actually think Scrimmer's got a better overhead game than Birchall had, um, so his marking and his spoiling and his intercepting, I actually think is better, which is a big call which is a big call. Obviously, Birch is a premiership, multiple premiership hero and a significant factor in us being such a powerful team off the back flank in that era. Um, so hopefully hopefully the off-season, Scrimshaw, um, Scrimshaw lifts his game, treats him well, uh, and he comes back ready to fight next year because he's still, he's still in the age profile what is he 20 he's just turned 25 uh born on my 18th birthday uh, nice <laughs> little nice little facts so obviously i want him to stay um but he, he's still young and we know he's got the quality and we know he's a as you said a top 10 draft pick so i just don't think you should be giving that quality away but there's obviously something there that we don't know about so so we'll wait and see what happens i think the simplest explanation might be that he had an interrupted preseason, and give him a good run and he's back in the team or what have you I, I would love that to be that 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 just to be it that would be nice it would be nice if that was the case um and bless you mora bless you for having such a beautiful positive outlook on the world maybe maybe we'll just take that positivity and run with it and and leave Scrimmer for now and move on to our next player, number 29, Jai Sarong. Um, now, Sarong managed to get a couple of games in this season, uh, draft pick number 53 in the 2021 National Draft, managed three games last year. Uh, before um, just adding to that total with two this year in the last couple of rounds of the season. Um, we don't, I, I guess we don't need to dwell on um, his his figures too much because it was just those two games and, and the first game for the year, he came on as a sub against the D's in round 23 before getting the whole game against the Dockers with his brother on the opposition team against Frio, the Dockers at the MCG in the last round. Um, He's probably got three votes in that game. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe it's worth, maybe it's worth talking about his brother because I love Caleb Sarong. Like, I actually love him. He'd be in, I reckon he'd be in my top 10 non-Hawthorne plays in the comp that I've loved watching this year. I think he's just signed or he, he signed maybe at the end of last year through to the end of 2027 uh, at Fremantle. Um, but 
part of the conversation is, I mean, should we just be keeping him on our list so that at some point, you know, <laughs> there's a potential lure to get Caelan uh, to come play for us. But no, I think given the first round of delistings that we saw, um, every chance that he'll be offered a, another one-year contract and stay on the list for 2024, Mara? Yes, um, I would agree. Obviously, he hasn't. Uh, had as much senior as ex- exposure as he would probably like to have had, but um, got his way in the team late in the year. And actually, uh, you know, he didn't play much against Melbourne because he was the sub, but in that quarter that he did play, I thought he was actually very, very good, um, sort of trawling around the full back line and, and did a pretty good job and then was rewarded with a full game against Frio. So there's definitely something there. Um, and, and I'm you know, I'm, I'm persistent with him. If it's a case of, well, we have to only offer him a one-year contract because he hasn't really done enough yet, then then what have you. And hopefully he does enough next year. Um, but, yeah, I think I think there's something there. I agree with you. I thought that quarter was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Clary and Petrarca had done nothing all game and, and then turned up in the last quarter and we lost it and Simon Goodwin had a cry and... Uh, we thought about it. It was a bit of a game that got away, but he was the shining light in that last quarter uh, and handled himself in that back line, which was getting. Um, he was able to see plenty of it because the ball was coming in a fair <laughs> bit. But what he did was was very good. Um, and that leaves the last forty-seven minutes of this podcast to talk about our final player. <laughs> uh, for this group of players. How do we attack this, Mara? Because I'm just not sure we even need to talk about stats and, and can just have a, a general discussion about what an incredible season. Uh, first season as captain, uh, first year as an All-Australian. He, um, he I, I saw a really good post uh, after the Brownlow um, about all defenders in the game. He, he led the Brownlow votes across all defenders in the game. We know it's not a defender's award, um, but that was the best defender from a polling point of view. Um, it's he, 12. It's a big number for a With 12. Player. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... How many have you got your book of superlatives handy? And uh, I mean, what's your take? What's your take on the season that James Sicily just had? The amazing thing for me is is how it. I don't think it was necessarily that much better than last season. Um, and the, the amazing thing about that is how that was his first season back from a knee. Like he'd been out for eighteen months, and he just came back and was unbelievable um and probably fair to say he was even better this year i mean he literally won some games from the from center half back which is wild um but no there's there's i don't think there's anything left to say really he's been an outstanding defender an outstanding leader which in and of itself when you think back to his early career is is something that doesn't just go without saying because he was so distractible. It was so easy to take him out of a game and, and, and make him lose his concentration. And for him to then develop in front of us into this um, calming 
leadership presence. I, I saw after the Bulldogs game, um, was it the Bulldogs game where he, this, he, he was kind of getting tagged a little bit? Um, Might have been the, a different one. I don't know, but they were, it, it was a game where he was being tagged and they spoke to him after the game on the TV and he just said, yeah, I had someone hanging off my back all day. That wasn't great, but, you know, we won. So, um, and just the way that's how he approached having so much attention given to him, I think just, it speaks so much about how mature he's become over his time in the team. Yeah, I, I think... It's really, really interesting because actually if you go back in that six to 12 month range, you you go back to that period of time and we had Ben McAvoy retire and the big question around who was going to take over as captain and it was pre-Titch going and uh, pre-Jager going and even where we were at from a list build point of view, and I'm I'm not saying this to, to have tickets on myself or anything like that. In my mind, there's there's no one else better placed for where we were at to lead the footy club than James Sicily. But it wasn't straightforward. Like it caused so much debate around um, whether or not he'd be able to have a calm head, you know, whether or not he'd be able to be got to, um, whether whether or not, yeah, you know, and he, he missed a few games through suspension, obviously, um, whether or not his record would be an issue um, and, and what level of leadership he brings. And, uh, I mean, Ben, ben McAvoy was an outstanding leader it's been a very long time since we've had a season of of quality leadership both from a football sense and a presence that that we've seen from James Sicily like it's it's actually been outstanding that suspension, by the way, is not the sort of suspension that we might have associated a three-week suspension with a young James Sicily. That one, I mean, we can <laughs> we can talk no, for a little no, bit about that one as well. No, but but it, but it was conspicuous issue. when 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 he was out of the team, our our backline just fell apart. We were just leaked, and and that, I mean, it was almost like him being out of the team enhanced his his standing as the leader in the team. Well, the lead up, I mean, we we beat West Coast, smashed West Coast. We um we played St Kilda and we beat them. And that is one of the best individual defensive performances I think I've ever seen. He had 43 touches, <laughs> he had 16 marks, and he almost single-handedly won us that game. With his with his intercept marking, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Then he misses a week, comes back for the Lions, which we win. So he's won three of the last games that he's been in, including against St Kilda and Brisbane, and then obviously 
things go a little bit downhill when he leaves. We lost games that we should have won. I think was at Carlton, maybe Gold Coast um, games that we should have won, but we should have been oh, in them a Jim... bit more than we were. Like that, they were they were over by by quarter time in the Carlton case. Like... Yeah, should have won. I think Port was the other one. Should have won isn't what I meant. It's that we went into them with expectations after beating Brisbane and St Kilda that what like we match it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're winnable games. Not not necessarily should have won. So not necessarily um, be sixteen goals down at halftime. Like that, yeah, that Port that Adelaide too. game was a debacle. But there's no way that I, I think there's no way that it gets as bad as it gets if Sicily's in that team. It's not even a question. It's not even a question. So, I mean, some other things to consider, some of the early games where he was basically played as a key position defender, we know that that should be, that should be executed. That That's only in case of emergency, right? That's when, uh, when Jeremy Cameron or Kerno or has kicked six or seven goals on James Blank and it's not even half time. And what do you do? Like he plays the third man up better than almost anyone. He should have been a three-time All-Australian because <laughs> he was in All-Australian form through the 11 or so rounds when he did his knee. He clearly should have last season um, and and this season got his his rewards, but... Yeah, I think that the beauty of Sis is that we've, you know, we've got a, a good three, four, five years of seeing him at his peak and have the opportunity to appreciate appreciate him for what he is. Is he going to lift the cup with Sammy? Um, it's a very good question. It's a very good question. Um, oh, I would imagine that at some point there'll be a succession plan right and you look at some of the quality of of the kids in the next bracket down and and by kids I mean the Dylan Moores and the Will Days and at some point in the next two three four years time they'll probably be ready so I think you'll be part of our next premiership team I don't know that you'll necessarily be the one lifting it with Sammy but um Stranger things, stranger things have happened. Um, yeah, I think that uh, anything else you want to say in terms of sis before we move on, Mara? Not really, but I, I feel like I feel like you know it's hard to do a season like here, given the context of it, um, being the first year captain and all that. Um, I feel like it's hard to do a season like that justice. Just, just. If you're listening, James, well done. We love you. Uh, that's probably a pretty, pretty good, um, pretty good way to go out. I think um, this is our last player for this pod, and it's nice to be able to talk about everyone. But it's nice to go out on um, a player like this. Um, yeah, and be so excited about. Oh, I mean, I'm just thinking about him holding up the cut with Sammy now, <laughs> uh, Mara. So, thank you for that. I'll be thinking about that for a while. But, um, <laughs> Mara, as always, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been another great um, trip down 2023 memory lane. Uh, it's a pleasure, and thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, yep. 
echo those sentiments. Thanks everyone for tuning in and for your ongoing support of Hawks Insiders. Um, we love the community that we are part of and that you are part of. And please, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on social medias, all social media channels at Hawks Insiders. Check out the link to on this pod or through our socials to our Substack where you can subscribe $5 a month, $50 a year for all the best Hawks content written by the fans for the fans. Thanks again, everyone, for your support. Hope you've enjoyed this pod uh, and there'll be several more coming. So enjoy them. And until next time, take care. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.